listening to Being Built. I'm Aaron Davis, the host and founder of Reckless Tech, here with Rye Walker, the founder of Tembo. Hi, how's it going? Hey, good to meet you. <laughs> it's good to see you. So you're, this, isn't, this isn't your first time around. You've been an, ex, you're an experienced founder and yeah. uh, going at it again, right? Yeah, I was actually, I was, when I said good to see you, you know, just now, like yeah. I, I never say good to meet you. Because you never know. Because I almost have, you know, right. like a like, good chance I did. So I always just say good to, good to see you. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I, I tend to remember people's faces yeah. and I forget how I know them. So I, yeah. I accidentally do this. Good to see you again or whatever yeah. When, yeah. when it's out of place. Yeah, I can't say again because that's not for sure either. But it yeah. too much, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. So I, I, it's funny. Like, I, I don't know when I learned that probably 20 years ago. And I just like it's like just a natural thing. That's you know? a great tactic. Yeah. To not be offensive. Yeah. That's the safe oh. way to be uh, yeah. respectful. So I, I mean, I usually can tell them like. I can like get a, per, a percent percentage in my head, like 60% chance I know this person. Right. You know, like I get a, I just see a, but it's never a hundred percent, you know? Yeah. And, and so I just can never be for sure. You know, well, I don't think we have met before, but, uh, yeah. before today, but I did meet, um, Tim, your colleague, Tim Metzner, oh, yeah. uh, former colleague or whatever, yeah. uh, partner. Uh, he, yeah. New partner in fire road. We're doing a new, yeah. um, uh, <clears throat> venture fr firm, I guess, best way to describe it. So yeah, I'm doing two things, you know, right now. Uh, I mean, we're all doing more than one thing, aren't True. we? Yeah. That's right. The <laughs> question right. is, does it have a brand associated with it? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I had a friend of, actually another, he, he had been a guest on the show a while back, uh, also another founder who likes to remind me that companies don't really exist. It's actually mm. just people that agree on a logo and where the where the profits are going. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. But it's, it's a company is really just a bunch of people, right? Yeah, it really mm -hmm. is. Just a team, a little squad. Yeah, uh, I like to think. I think companies would be better. I think startups, at least, would be better off if we use like the movie um, production methodology. You know, like mm. if, if if a movie's happening, right? Like it gets its money, right? Okay. I don't know, fifty million dollar budget to make a movie, and there's people who are managing the budget, finding the talent. It could be a multi year process, and then it ends, and then you do the next thing. Mm. You know, and like most of the time, the people that are involved in the production of the company are wrong for the next stage. Interesting. Some the merchandising and all the, the no, spinoffs or whatever. No, I'm just thinking like, you know, like <clears throat> once the people who are really good at the beginning of a company are not very good three or four years in and, oh, and, and you're trying to like fit, fit square pegs into round holes like all the time. It would just be kind of cool if like the startup crew, the, you know, if it was just like, Hey, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, the, the two analogies, but um, I just think that it, it's kind of weird. Like there's people that are still an astronomer in my previous company that mm -hmm. are perfect fits for Tembo, but mm -hmm. they have equity there. They're, they're like bound contractually to not, I can't even talk to them. You know, Interesting. I just think, think about how weird that would be if the movie world was that way. Right. And people could be working on two movies, three movies at the same time, you know, mm -hmm. in that world. And there's no shame in that. In fact, it's like celebrated in a way like you're successful. Sure. If you, if you've got three new movies coming out in 2024, it means you're a good, good actor. Right. right but here, true. here it's like, uh, you gotta, I just think that the employment model and, tech startups is kind of broken, you know, yeah. just in, it's a bad fit, but, um, you know, you'd have to have agents and all this stuff. And maybe you've thought of this too. You know, I've actually thought like, take like the top open source software developers. There's, there are people that are just like worth whatever they're willing. Like I've, I've made these, you know, I hired, some, I've hired some developers. I'm like, tell me how much you need to make and I'll pay it to you because mm -hmm. you're that valuable. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And just like, just being real, open about it and um you know and they might be like well i'll join but i also have to be allowed to do x y and z and you're like sure sure sure, sure. You know? yeah. um and i'm like these people should have agents you know because mm -hmm. it sucks that they're self-representing in this situation mm -hmm. right. they could probably get a lot more you know yeah, true and then an agent could make some money off of it too and like why are software developers um you know why don't they have agents but uh they, some of them probably make a lot more i don't know what the average actor makes but right software engineers you know i mean you're seeing it i'm sure too like we're re recruiting senior front-end engineers right now 180 190 yeah, they're 200 mm -hmm. yeah that's a lot of money man it's yeah. a tremendous amount of money plus equity you know like these are essentially if you, if you think about it it's like a two or three year relationship it's a million dollar contract mm -hmm. that they're self negotiating you know right. and, and and so and you know uh, 
But, you know, a big part of what we do is somewhat of an agent relationship. It's certainly yeah. not like it is putting a movie together. Right. Um, yeah. Essentially advocating for and representing somebody's worth in the, in the acquisition of a job. I think yeah. what would be different, what would be cool is if it didn't have to be a job, right? Yeah. It could right. be an assignment, right? Just be a, should be a, a project that, again, like if a movie is shooting, you know, maybe they shoot for a certain amount of time and then maybe they're off for a couple of weeks and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think I I don't know how it could work, but I just think, yeah, I don't know if it's my life's probably too short to see it happen. But <laughs> right. if if I was gonna, you know, I don't know. I'm I've been thinking about it though, like mm. like um, it's just the startup trying to sign someone on for four years worth of vesting is is wrong for everybody for something that's really high impact for eighteen to thirty six months. Yes, right? yes. After yeah, yeah, and they're probably gonna leave options on the table if they leave i mean they will if they leave early and if they don't leave early they're probably unhappy that they had to stick around for four mm. whole years you know yeah. we could spend the, this entire hour talking about that <laughs> yeah, could we build that business instead i like that idea a lot yeah I, know. And I don't think we invented it just now there are people no. out there doing elements no. of that but what's what's new to it from my because i ran a consulting shop where we were we were paid to build software product for I others, mean, but that's the the organization owns it. They're not the yeah. agent, right? The right. organization owns it and you still have to employ those folks. Right? I just think so. if some of these people, I need them. I really need, let's say if I need a front end engineer real bad. And they said to me like, Hey, I get that your standard is a four year vesting X, but I, I'll take, I'll take, um, you know, I, I need, I want two year vesting or three year mm-hmm. vesting. Like, I'm not going to automatically say no to that. Right. You know, I th- I think it's smart. I would probably say, oh, you know, I, maybe I don't need you for two for more than two years. Right. You know. Anyway, people stick. I don't know what the average tenure is for a developer. Developer is two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's what the contract should be. Then I think. Yeah. You can always do more stock options, re-up it. You know, if they're mm-hmm. if they're right for the next phase, but. They're, right, not, maybe they're, they're not almost not for sure. If they're right for the first phase, they're almost for sure not right for the next phase. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I could I could do do a deep dive on that. Yeah, that's so. a little bit of the pairing of my background, consulting yeah. world yeah. and direct executive search world. But yeah, essentially working for them, working for the talent, essentially not the other way around. Yeah. They're on your payroll, yes. or you're trying to get them full time, employed, long term, keep them. I think a lot of time, you know, the the model is set up so that that person's vested in the success of the organization. Yeah, but when the population is generally vested in their product working well, which I think the engineer population generally yeah. thinks that way. Yeah. They tend to be a little biased toward quality and, and, yeah. and well, uh, well, I, mean, I think product. everybody, again, I go, I always go back to the Hollywood model. Like if you're an actor and you're in a movie and you know, if, if it's, even if you had a small part, you know, didn't make much money, as long as it was a successful movie, you get street cred right. for that, you know, That's Oh, right. you know, I did this little tiny part in this big giant, you know, thing. Um, so I just feel like everyone's going to always want their company or product to be as good as possible. It doesn't matter if they're in the money for it. They just, it's, it's good for their reputation to have been part of that. That's right. Genesis. Part, part of their real. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, think about it. I, I've got, a, I've got this big database of, um, I, all the open source. So I, you know, I do open source companies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know too much about open source. Barely. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea. I know what it is. Just when you're building a product right now, um, you could make it completely proprietary, you know, uh, think like Salesforce, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't run my own copy of Salesforce, right? But there are, there's a whole class of new companies, uh, you can call them open source, you can call them open core. Um, open core just means that the, the middle of our company, the most important IP is actually completely open sourced. Right. Mm. And I may have some other stuff around the, the core of the product that are not open source. But like if there's a there's a CMS company called, you know, content management called mm. Payload. And if, if we wanted to, we could sit over here and like spin up a payload server, a whole system uh, using their software without them involved in any way um, for free with their open source product. But what you're going to find is like. Well, it kind of sucks that I now have to run this thing and take care of it. They have a commercial product, same thing, like like WordPress would have. Um, now, WordPress is also open source. But, um, yeah, I mean, b- bottom line is, like, companies will pay for um, 
uh, yeah, I've got way off a tangent here, but companies will pay for support on an open source project if it's important to their company's success. Mm, okay. If it's like an important. So uh, there's your, there's your revenue model or yeah. whatever's on the support. Yeah. And, and like I said, you don't, you don't open source all the product. You just open source like a core in, internal component, um, which again, creates some friction on using it, which causes people to want to do that. But base bottom line is like, um, I, I built a database of like, uh, you know, a million open source developers. And these are also closed source. I mean, these are just developers in general. Mm-hmm. Got all their email addresses. And nice. I was thinking like, yeah, I mean, really, you could ask them, <clears throat> okay, uh, if we went, reached out to each one, which they, they won't respond if he did, so this is another problem with, with developers, <laughs> as I'm sure you know. Yes, yeah, you, you know, you could be like, hey, I've got a, the most amazing opportunity for you and and, and just silence, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, if, if you could get them to respond and say, how much are you making? I, you know, you could you could basically index them based on their. You could basically figure out who's underpaid, you know, mm-hmm. and then just say, look, I'm a, I'm a software agent, software development agent, effectively, and mm-hmm. um, you're making you know eighty k, eighty k. You should be making one forty k. Would you like for me to help you get there? You know, mm-hmm. and and just work for them. You know, now again, employers are going to find that weird. Everyone's going to find that weird. But I mean, like. So what? Yeah, change, I, change is resisted. You know. Yeah, you're really you're really kind of hitting a button for me because <laughs> when I started the original version of Reckless Tech, it was all about building it for the talent, mm-hmm. and so I was trying to essentially make the get the talent to tap their friend and yeah. then pay them the referral fee to yeah. to get them to respond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was more about getting them engaged in the the connecting, and, and it was a way to monetize their engagement and finding the best opportunities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I like the idea of kind of building a, a marketplace for talent that's focused on the talent getting all theirs, right? Yeah, and why not just go for the very, very best? Like I imagine in Hollywood, the first agents probably served the best actors, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Like it probably was like top down. Yeah, and, and everybody else is begging for the agent's attention. Yeah, right. And Harrison right. Ford can have his pick. Yeah. Right? And they're yeah, all begging yeah. for his attention. Right? So I feel like, you know... That's where the money is, you know, obviously at the top of the game. So like who are the top thousand developers in the world? Right. And who's serving, you know, who's their age? Like they could, I mean, seriously, if they had an agent with a, with a good negotiator, like they could, they could. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of them are already probably very rich. Well, yeah. The Google and the Amazons are gobbling them up and overpaying them. Yeah. But still, all that being said, like all that being said, like you could, a good agent should be able to help them get even more. True. Like they should be able to have. Hey, guess what? I don't work full time for anybody anymore. I'm mm-hmm. on 10, 10 projects. Everyone's paying me a quarter of what they used to pay me, but now I've got 10. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, X divided by four times 10, which is like two and a half times more money. Right. True. So yeah. anyway, obviously I thought a little bit about this, uh, but I don't have time for another company. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. we, can always, yeah. we can keep talking about it. I'm sure I have notes around this, but yeah, I, that's one of the challenges. Like, um, you know, I, I had success with Astronomer. I was able to sell a lot of my shares at, mm-hmm. in secondary. Um, so now, now I have money and I have ideas mm-hmm. and, and like, and I have, and I'm 50, right? Mm-hmm. So I have so many years left. What to do, what to do, you know? Right, you like, have to pick your favorites, right? I'm, yeah. I mean, you can't, can't drive on every road. Can't do everything. That's, that's, that'd be, that's basically like going, uh, you know, psycho to just suddenly be like, oh, I'm starting 17 companies. Well, I'm, but I'm starting a couple, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right. that's, that's already pretty frowned upon, you know, by people who advise you on such things. <laughs> sure. It depends on who you're beholden to, I guess. Right? Nobody, I mean, you know, venture capital organization or whatever. They're not yeah. going to, they're going to allow you to do three different things at once if they're, they're funding you. Well, they're going to have some opinions about it. They, they may have some opinions, but at least the, you know, my investor in, in Tembo, um, understands my situation and 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 wanted me despite that situation you know like the fact that you know uh you know once you have success like you have distractions um you know i'm building a house like i said earlier like project yeah i mean there's uh founders are always asking me for advice so i I meet with them you know Mm -hmm. I've, i've tried to figure out ways to like consolidate them into like anyone in Cincinnati, like I say, here's an hour and a half once a month. Mm-hmm. If you want to chat with me, come talk to me and all the other founders. And we just kind of do it as a little group exercise. Mm-hmm. But I'm able to then squish all that um, into a hour and a half, you know, per month mm-hmm. cost. Right. But uh, um, I love talking to them. But if you just like, 
make yourself available to anybody, you can, you don't have any time. You know, yeah, you wouldn't be able to build stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you can't. So um, I think like finding great people, um, teaming up with people that are self-sufficient and, and really want to win, you know, do what you've done. Like that's to me the key, you know, so I've got some just really great team members. And ideally if you're a CEO of something um, and you've hired those kind of people, you can play golf and, right. and, you can step and, away. Yeah, and things get better, you know, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, not perfectly. Uh, you still have to come in and <clears throat> help corral the cats every once in a while because mm-hmm. nobody, you know, like the natural state of any system is chaos, you know, mm-hmm. so you have to create order every once in a while, but not too much, you know, a little bit of chaos is good. So, yeah. And if you're working with other leaders who also are inclined and capable of gathering some sense of order, yeah. then you don't even have to do that as much. But what do you, what do you find to be the most uh, unnerving part about um, kind of equipping and, and building up leaders to, to operate in your absence? Well, um, unnerving. Um, I mean, I know, I know they're going to make mistakes. They know they're going to make mistakes and it sucks. But, you know, I, I always talk about, you know, like, if, you know, failure is a prerequisite of success, you know? So, I mean, I, I have a co-op that just joined and like, I gave him a really hard job. Okay. And I knew he would, he would have to, he was actually a co-op for me in the spring. He's like a second year computer science student at University of Cincinnati. Hmm. Gave him easy stuff last last co-op. This okay. time I'm like, I'm going to treat you like an adult. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a hard job. <clears throat> and I knew it would take him five tries to get it right. You know, mm-hmm. and I told him this up front, you know, it's like, hey, this is one's this is hard. And I'm going to treat you as if you're a regular employee. And um and, and, and I need this work done quickly too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, this is the real world, right? Like right. I'm going to allow you to fail, but I also want it right now. And, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's actually important for the company. It's not just like a work for, for the heck of it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure he's feeling a lot of stress around it and he has failed five or six or seven or eight times now on it. He's not quite gotten the job done. Um, you know, uh, probably have a message on Slack from him right now. <laughs> and, but like, you know, it's like, just, Except the fact that that's that failure is is a prerequisite. Well, I think it was like who was it? Uh, Kubrick, you know. Apparently, like um, uh, Kubrick, the movie maker. Yeah. You know, again, I guess talking about movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, director um, would often do like thirty takes. You know, interesting. Uh, you okay. know, and just like why? Because he saw something wrong. He had to have seen mm-hmm. something wrong in there. He saw a mistake, so he's like making all these mistakes. He's making the mistakes because he's the one dire- directing it and, and, and all sure. this. And like, if he's, you know, it's like, it's routine for him to make 29 mistakes before he gets it yeah. right. You and know? if somebody as good as Kubrick yeah. at making a movie has to do it 30 times to get it right, then Everybody. what's that say for the rest of us when it comes to designing an email template or yeah. putting like if, a if table not, together? If you didn't get it wrong a couple times first, you probably didn't, it wasn't ambition. Like you should have delegated to somebody else, yeah. you know, like, so I just think like, um, failure is the success state, you know, like yeah. I just kind of flip my head around on it and allow everyone to be, cause that's the reality too. Like you can, you can hope, I don't know, I guess some CEOs probably think like, Oh, I want everyone to crush it all the time and you're just going to be continually disappointed and angry and yelling at people, you know? Mm. So for me, it's like, I just expect everyone's going to be constantly failing. Um, we're a brand new company, man, new product. Everything's, everything's broken. Like the default state of a new company is everything's broken. You know, you, it kind of feels like pristine in the sense that it's a new little, you know, orb of light, a new light <laughs> new right. company. But the way I look at it is if you were going to give yourself a scorecard in all areas that you would score, say, um, a big company, Walmart, you know, <laughs> it depends. Just like take your publicly traded alternative to whatever you're doing. Like mm-hmm. you're straight F's and everything. Right. Your you're scorecard not, is not like, profitable. The customer's yeah. not yet. Yeah, it's all, no, the, all the metrics are off. Yeah. Everything's F's. Yeah. And like, you know, just got to move everything to D, move everything to C. Maybe someday you get to the B's and A's, you know? Mm. So, yeah. That's yeah. a really good way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 a uh, the nice way the, the, and, and, that, and this is true of all companies too. So it's not like just your company is, sh- is shitty. All mm-hmm. everyone's company is shitty right. when it's young. It's yeah. a natural state of starting a company. Yeah. Yeah. It's like any investment too. I think I was talking to my trainer, whatever, who it was my son, maybe about investing in every investment you initially lose, you know, you put $20,000 into a stock or something, 
you've yeah. lost twenty thousand dollars. You no yeah. longer have that money. Yeah, that's it's true. It's in somebody else's position to hopefully mm. move or improve. That's the way my right? wife sees all of it. She's investing too. <laughs> She's like, "Wait, what? Do you just you just well, no, you it? hope you get more." I know. I'm like, I'm like, it's not gone. I didn't right. spend it. It's not like I just bought like a a big fifty thousand dollar dinner. You know, right. we, we bought right. fifty thousand dollars worth of stock. You know, right. and like it should be should improve, right? and, and, but it won't. It may not. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, initially, yeah, you just you're just without that fifty thousand yeah, dollars, right? Yeah. So you've yeah. lost it for that moment at least. Yeah. And that's the natural state of anything that you're building or improving, I guess, is to lose first. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of a baby when you were talking. Like you, you think <laughs> your idea is brilliant and it's great yeah. and it's perfect until you mess it up. But when you actually measure like what it's capable of, they're pretty worthless. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah they don't. True. They don't accomplish anything. No, right. No. We, they're we, just a great <laughs> idea that looks good, sounds good, feels yeah. cool, but. Yeah. It's kind of a sobering, it's like, it's like, why, why are we starting companies when you think about it that way? It's kind of a depressing way to think about it, mm -hmm. you know, that you're, you just have this thing that's going to be shitty for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, do I really want to go through the journey of <laughs> converting it, you know, upgrading it over and over all these areas. So that's like, for me, you know, the first six months of Tembo, the new company, we were just building product, doing engineering, you mm -hmm. know, no go to market. Uh, team processes or anything and we finally got the team and the progress on the project product good enough it, it, by the end of july that i realized okay i should that that's humming like it's not it's not an f anymore it's mm -hmm. you know it, it's cub you know for our stage people would enjoy using that right yeah no for yeah. our stage yeah. like that side was overperforming, you know, yeah. over indexing. And now I look over at go to market and that's still an F, you know, mm -hmm. straight F across like no marketing plan efforts or anything. So mm -hmm. as a CEO, I like, I'm like, okay, I got to, this is fun over here. We got it all humming. And mm -hmm. now I got to just like, it's like a different project. Okay. Now go to market. This is like marketing sales, all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, ugh, it's kind of depressing to start again mm. but but that's just the real, re, reality in tech startups um now a lot of people depending on what type of founder you are they're doing it all they're you know the raise, raising both sides at the same time but I, we had the luxury because we raised six and a half million bucks to just build for build build for a while yeah. it so, certainly makes go to market easier when you've got something that when you're you got not something. theoretical but right. you've actually got yeah. something built but you really need to jump over to that side you know, I felt, I mean, I had, I wanted to, to do the jump even earlier. I was like, you know, the target was like end of June, let's have the product to the point that I can jump over, but it just took a little longer as it always does. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, but we, we, um, I've hired a first person over there looking okay. at some more and, you know, marketing person or, what? um, I call them just GTM. I, I go to market. Okay. I, uh, at the early stage in a tech startup, it's, it, the, I think the first hire should be like a growth. I call it like a growth hacker, you mm -hmm. know, just basically a young person who is is just um, willing to try lots of different things. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like you know, we're a database company, and I've got this young young guy on the team who wants to try to market us on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not sure it's going to work, but but, <laughs> but why not try it? Why not try it? You know, yeah. like I mean, he's going to learn something. We're going to learn something. It could work. Um, Everything he's doing to try to get it to TikTok can also be applied to YouTube, you know. Okay. So, so it's like, in fact, we're gonna be—he's gonna be putting stuff on YouTube while he's trying. So, even if you have someone who's trying some like outlandish strategy, um, I, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of like let them try. You mm -hmm. know, um, I want to be the boss. It's like, yes, try it. You know, because mm -hmm. I just think like good things come from that. Um, he's gonna learn something and. Um, no, and, and it's not like all the stuff he's doing could we could take the same content that he tried to use there and, and apply it elsewhere. Yeah, it's not know? completely throwaway, right? No, no, not at all. You're trying a channel. Does it work on channel eight or should we yeah. go to channel twelve? Or right, right. We have the same content, we can replay it over there, you know. Yeah. I, I think like Twitter is a better venue, but he he's not really on Twitter. And, you know, again, like not many twenty something people are, you know, it's mm -hmm. kinda like it's an older platform now. So yeah. um I think it's it's interesting. Like and like our developers on TikTok, like I think all people age twenty ish, you know, are. Mm -hmm. So I think I think like, yeah, we it could work. We'll see. 
I've found at times there you choose the vehicle you want to drive in, and there are times when you choose the driver, or you you you, you optimize yeah. for the driver, right? Yeah. So if you've got somebody who says, "I know this space," yeah, okay, try that space then because yeah. they know that space, right? Yeah, and this is this is like all part of me, like if if someone's trying their own idea, they have responsibility for it. You know, this is the whole idea of like getting buy-in. You know, a management team, you know, creates a strategic plan. Then you have this big meeting with the whole company and try to, you know, Jedi mind trick everyone into thinking it was their plan, you know, mm-hmm. so that they own yeah. it, so that they'll yeah. really own it. But people see what's happening there. They knew that they didn't really have much input. So I just, I love the idea of like, someone has conviction and they want to try it and they now they own it. Like, I don't have to babysit that thing. I don't, I can't even help, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to hire a head of GTM. And mm-hmm. I, and I told this person, um, you know, you can own the entire thing. Like you can build the sales team out. I said, the problem I have with most companies like ours is that, um, you know, it's like they hire a couple of these, I call them sales bros. You know, mm-hmm. they're just like, uh, guys that just, just are, they're loud. they, they, uh, and you know, yeah, they're the '90s salesy yeah, persona. Yeah, right? yeah, and they're just they're aggressive and they're they're successful, you know, historically. But I'm just like, she she's female, and I'm just like, I would love for whoever we hire in sales to have to report to you, a young a young woman, mm-hmm. you know, like right. like I just love that, like just for the challenge, the, the humility factor of yeah. it. Well, <laughs> not just that, but I just don't think I just don't think she's gonna build a sales bro team. Yeah. You know, I don't know what she'll do. But I I think it's bad. I think I think devs hate talking to those guys too. I and mean, again, I'm being very. It's like okay to be uh, you know prejudiced against uh, white guys now. So yeah. <laughs> By the but way, I, I have this idea for a podcast <laughs> called Canceled, where someone just oh, comes really? on. Yeah, they come on, and you just you're like, what? You can provoke them to say horrible things. No, just like just like they know they're going to get canceled if they say his thing. So it's just like let's just go ahead and do it. Let's just go get it. So I just I'm basically on. That I'm, a, right now. I'm a t-ball pitcher, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're not trying to get a thousand you know no like, i know, uh, I know. I'm kidding but a hundred thousand yeah. likes or whatever i like the idea maybe yeah. one day when i'm more famous yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get like, canceled out here no it's just like where you bring people on just so that they can self-cancel themselves and just uh say the thing that they shouldn't say and <laughs> might actually get people being honest a little bit <sighs> i know it would it would be yeah anyway but to, to your point your head was going toward the discriminating thing and discrimination is yeah. a great thing obviously there's a few few forms in which it's, it takes an ugly head but no, yeah but Obviously, we should discern and make judgments about who we want in and who we want out. Yeah, the word discriminate um, is is should not be a bad word. No, it's not. We we'll yeah. use different words just because it's easier yeah, and it yeah. doesn't create confusion. But what, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, is, yeah. Do I want the sales bro, that persona, right, of the person who's kind of the the atypical kind of aggressive communicator, the assertive, everything's great, always controlling the conversation, whatever else. Yeah. And, I think that's a little, it's interesting you brought that up because I was just having a conversation with somebody I know about pers- they're, they're pursuing a sales job mm. and they're not that persona. They're yeah. more of the relationship, slow credibility building, probably more of like selling to a couple hundred people. Yeah. Uh, salesperson that's deep relationship sales, uh, uh, you know, relationship builder. And that would be the worst kind of persona yeah. for that hire, right? Because that's, that's, a, that's a place where you really have to, trust first and then maybe you'll get some listening done yeah but that persona that you're talking about doesn't wait for there's they're not a high empathy persona in no. fact that that's a it's the exact opposite they're very resilient to the no mm-hmm. to being told no right so that persona has thrived well in a context in which they're expected to be shut down and rejected and it doesn't demoralize them. yeah yeah that, so they actually have very low empathy and they're not paying attention to, yeah, to I, talking over people and whatever else. And I think like what happens is if the leadership team is like the is like is you know if it's a sales sales bro v you know um, VP and if the mm-hmm. CE is also kind yeah. of really a sales bro, like the the permission to to um to up the uh, volume is implicit. You know, yeah. like it's like the that whole side of the like I don't want the GTM side of our business to overpower the product side. You mm-hmm. know, I want I want like respect for the product, respect for the engineers to be everywhere, like every, you know, throughout the entire company, respect for engineer is, is like, I would say like a core principle of the company. Like we're building for engineers. Mm-hmm. I want to res- respect our internal engineers. Obviously we, our, our customers are also engineers, you know? So if you have this, this, I mean, you have to have some level of, of uh, confidence and everything else to, 
to make mm-hmm. sales, but uh, we don't have to let it get overheated, you know, yeah. which I think happens in a lot of companies and, True. and I've seen it happen. And I just think like, um, it's, I mean, yeah, uh, I'll just say my, you know, the company that I just created, like, you know, I had conversation with a sales rep who had just joined. I'm a co-founder. And I'm like, hey, what's your strategy for like this? I don't need to tell you that. I said, I'm a, I'm the founder. What, what, what do you do? Like, why won't you tell me your strategy, dude? You mm. know, like I just met you, and you're mm-hmm. gonna act like you don't need to tell me something. Like, mm-hmm. oh. but it was a, just too much, too arrogant, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like, like, I mean, yeah, it's just very disrespectful, you yeah. know. And I'm just like, I, I don't like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? When you lack that measure of empathy. Um, you know, it, it, maybe it lends a little bit to your tenacity and your ability to kind of push and keep going and keep yeah. grinding through rejection, whatever yeah. else. And I think that's why you end up with that. But, you know, if you lose some of that, then maybe you risk, you have a high empathy, respectful person who's really engaged, you know, you go too far the other way then yeah. you could potentially risk somebody who's not assertive enough or not, yeah. tenacious, not present enough, well, not loud enough. Yeah. Right? If they're like mer- mercenaries, you know, like a mercenary, you know, soldier would probably be, Good to have if you really want to win this little conflict yeah but bad for the culture you know do you want to have the most aggressive possible mercenary on your team you know and like right. and i don't not long term maybe for, again maybe for that moment you could envision why it would be good but mm-hmm. again these people are being hired with four-year stock vestings yeah. you know like right. they're <laughs> right. uh, again like those people too probably should have shorter uh, right. a shorter time span as well and, and i think again i don't know if you do salespeople. Uh, as well, but I bet you we get into it. Yeah. Their tenure is probably even shorter than developers. You know, yeah, it varies. The average is similar, but the yeah. the span is different. Yeah. So, like developers, there are very there are almost none who spend twenty years somewhere, right? Yeah. So yeah. the average is small, and so is the range. Yeah, uh, but salespeople, the the range. Well, is I'm thinking wider. in tech startups too. In tech startups, I mean, I, I people they, they you hire the 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 standard practice in tech startups. If you're hiring some sales reps, like hire four if you want to keep two, Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's like, like what other jobs do we do that in? I don't like that. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like it's a little careless and unethical to, yeah. to just kind of throw bodies at something. Cause those folks are, you know, they have kids to feed yeah. and everything too. Yeah, and so they're making career choices and it's also high risk for the organization. Like you're yeah. going to put a bunch of time and attention yeah. and, and have your customers paying attention to somebody. Yeah. And then you lose half of those conversations you start yeah, to I somebody know. who doesn't bring the credibility or the yeah. success. Yeah. But I don't, a, I don't know what the, what the better option is, but you know, yeah. Um, the better option is you, you hire somebody, you know, is going to be successful and that's, that's hard to do. Yeah. Um, well, I think, well, again, we could get into all this, but you know, I, I'm, I'm very into I'm tech startups, uh, mm-hmm. venture back tech startups and, you know, the CEO will make a promise to the, to the investors that, all right, this year we're going to do, just kind of get the product right. Next year we're going to grow here. And the next year we're going to do that. Right. And, and in order to do those two year, two year, three things, you have to hire a certain number of reps that Mm -hmm. are productive that have to produce this revenue. Yeah. yeah, Like the only way it scales up is with humans doing that work. And they just kind of get behind the eight ball and they just start, you Slinging know. bodies and yeah, you have photos. cash. You have a big pile of cash, and you have this chart you need to make. And so they you start just throwing the cash at trying to make the chart. And um, I just think again, that's part of the problem too. Is like, don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. I know hard to get the money if if you don't have the chart. You know, the the promise, but promise less and just deal with the reality and not have everyone frantic. You know, in the company. Yeah, you make a really good point too. At the the other risk that's introduced there at the, the cost of the culture, particularly when you're a, a dev organization building a dev tool, the product team and the go-to-market team should really gel in an yeah, organization yeah. that's selling to a dev uh, community, right. right? They should, they should be, they shouldn't have that classic, like us and them. No, you oversold, overpromised. Yeah. There should be a real. Yeah. Well, that, that chart that promise to the venture cap to the, to the VC is actually, drives that like all of a sudden it'll happen slowly. It was, you know, in the beginning it's like, let's build something customers love, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, we got 10 people who love us. Great. Now, now it's like, okay, <laughs> we're behind on the revenue numbers. Like, like here, you know, everyone needs to help get this revenue. Everyone mm-hmm. needs to help. It's like, you start to get frantic and like <clears throat> developers are just feeling like, okay, how do I help get the revenue? How do I help get the revenue? Yeah. You know, like it's, um, I guess I, I mean I think there's some some good to that, but in general, it's like you've pulled them away from. Uh, yeah, I think there should be 
sort of a separation between those teams, but they should definitely gel and they should definitely have respect for each other. That's, you know? Yeah. That's what I, yeah. I think it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, if your dev, if your product team doesn't like your marketing and sales team, then their your customers aren't either. They're one and the same. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. We can all detect it. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, should put this put them in the sniff test in the interview process, right? That the product. Let team. the devs, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, approve the uh, sales reps. That's who they're going to be selling to. Yeah, right? yeah, so that's, if that's I, a good point. If this guy irks me, he's going to yeah. irk somebody else. Right? If you're yeah. doing individual one to one selling, so I say like that VP, that old school VP of sales will never give up that control. You know, they're looking yeah. for killers. You know, they're yeah. looking for. Well, again, they've got a problem. Like they're going to get fired if the if the chart doesn't happen. And that's just the way it goes, too. You know, so. Yeah, I don't know. I that's think that's a that, tough balance. Yeah, I know. I, I I agree. I think yeah. Then to say, oh, actually, the dev the devs are going to decide who your sales reps are. Uh, <laughs> they're like, I'm out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are they going to hit quota or not? Yeah. Yeah. How far are you from beginning the, to develop like a you know a sales operate like a? Um, I would say uh, once we raise our Series A, uh, which I hope is later this year, early next year, mm -hmm. um, then I will. Hire a few reps. Yeah, yeah. At this point, it's more the marketing collateral, the messaging, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Well, it's also just like um, social media, like um, creating content and uh, posting it and getting eyeballs. I always say, like in a dev, if if you're if you're a company and you're marketing to developers, the same way you can't email a developer and say, "Hey, I've got a great job opportunity for mm -hmm. you," I can't email a developer and say, "Hey, I've got a great product that you should look yeah. at." Like they're just like. You know, they like, have stuff uh, to do. Yeah, like like no, stop stop emailing me. I'm gonna report report you. You know, so you have to. I call it like you have to peacock. You have to like um, have great content, get it on social media, like make it look like there's FOMO. Like oh, yeah. you're missing out on a product that you should know about, and and they have to come to you first, and then I and then and then only then can can you interact with them. But the persona that talks to them has to feel like we call it dev advocate. You know, mm -hmm. so we really want. A developer advocate to be the one communicating with these early users, not a salesperson. So, yeah. so like getting that developer advocate team built is actually important. They they post the content and they respond and, and kind of communicate with early users. So, and that's got to be in context, meaningful content that a, that a yeah. dev community is going to understand and appreciate and be impressed with. Yeah, right? I, I mean, I really don't want to spend very much money at all on on media. You know, so yes, it's marketing, but it's like it's what we would have called guerrilla marketing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 20 years ago. Um, yeah, our marketing plan is content and communication with the yeah. with the people that come come to our product and see if, you know, see if we can help them accomplish one of their goals, you know. You said you were starting a podcast too. Is that related to Tembo? Uh, yeah, it's related to Tembo. It's it's really just, it's a, it's a technical podcast around um, Postgres extensions, which is yeah. like okay. very specific. But uh, yeah, th there's like called hacking postgres so okay um the idea here is um um postgres as a technical um open source project is very uh, extendable and and so a lot of people have done this like there are hundreds of of developers who have extended postgres to do something more than what it originally was intended to do and okay i just think like um yeah it's just it's it's a marketing um strategy on one hand but it's also education for me like i get mm. to really get to know everything that's going on inside of this this core for our okay. business um and it's also good for them i think it's like celebratory like i think like uh just celebrates the effort that they put forth and and let them know that someone appreciates the fact that they did this you know maybe yeah. no one's ever said thank you on you know for what they worked on so yeah i think that there's multiple um opportunities it's really put some good good vibes into the world and uh not really a real direct um target outcome um but as long as i'm learning something that's that's a good yeah i mean i talked it, the way i look at it is um it's good for the company uh, you know everyone in the company will probably listen to the episode so it's just a it's it's basically training for our team yeah. in a sense uh, that's right um yeah i mean i do a podcast for the same a lot of the same reasons right yeah. like it's the community i'm I'm connecting with. And so can we build a, an asset and acknowledgement for founders and leaders who are out there building cool stuff? Same thing you're doing for the Postgres community, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, we want to acknowledge them, make sure that they're being seen and appreciated and, um, 
and then also learn stuff along the way. I've learned yeah. listening to you just now. Yeah. You know, for the last yeah. 30 minutes, yeah. I've learned a few well, things about startups. So. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think that's great too. Yeah. And it's going to be, yeah, stuff even beyond the core, you know, like it's hacking Postgres, but I'll learn all kinds of other things. During, things. Could just be like, oh, here's a cool tool. Maybe here's a cool movie, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoy I do enjoy talking to people um, in the moment for sure, uh, right in front of it, anxiety and just like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'd say I'm more of an introvert type, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, again, I just think like all introverts should do a podcast. Dude, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I've been <laughs> yeah. pretending to be an extrovert for the yeah. last 20 years because I needed to, yeah. to be able to make a living. Yeah. So I've learned all these extroverted skills, yeah. but it's work. I mean, honestly, when I walk into a room, a networking event with yeah. 30 people, that's exhausting to me. Yeah. I love seeing, and I immediately cling to the two or three people I know yeah. and I want to yeah. hide there. Right? Yeah. That's a normal state for me to be, I, it's I, stay in the familiar, you know? I wonder if everyone's that way. Like, I, I think that most people are, are that way. Most people, you know, wouldn't, it is, that's being vulnerable to say that, you know, most, yeah. most people don't have, I mean, you have to have had some success, I think, to, to be able to give, you know, to present as vulnerable, you know? Yeah, and so, I, you know, you've had some success in your life. So have I, mm -hmm. but I'm the same way. Like I'll, my wife will look at me like, what are you doing? Like, we'll, we'll go up, we'll come to a party and everyone's like over there and they're talking too loud. And I'm just like, you know what? I'd love to just talk to somebody over here. So I'll go over there by myself and just like hope someone will walk up. Cause like, <laughs> right. it's better for me to like, to be, um, you know, not in that, in the in the center of the the, the clamor, uh, dude, the yeah. world is shifting your direction. I'll yeah. tell you why. Yeah. What you just described about your customers' buying experience—they don't want to be solicited. They want they want the inbound yeah. experience, right? Yep. The world is shifting from from being run by extroverts to being run by us. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> people like people who will show up when that person has a calm and an energy yeah. and an intelligence that you want to yeah affiliate with. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's the that's the space in the room that I want to be in. And yeah. then you have the conversation that's genuine, not the one that's imposed upon you. Right? Yeah, that's so right. So the cocktail party scenario you just described is modern marketing. It's modern yeah. sales. Like, yeah, you're right. People want to know something about you. They want to have initiated the conversation or at least said, I'm interested in this problem. That's right. And I want them to be interested in me. Like maybe someone's like, oh, that's Ryan over there. You should meet him. He's blah, blah, blah. And I want to talk about like, you know, I want to talk about tech startups at a party, at, you know, <laughs> at, at my country club. Um and, and like, or something that I'm interested in and not just like, oh, Bengals. Oh, yeah. Bro, <laughs> is he going to be okay? Yay. You know, yeah. it's like so empty, uh, you know, a lot of these conversations. Dude, a lot of times I, I will end this podcast and then people will end up, they'll, they'll post up and we'll have a drink or whatever. And I've, I've had plenty of conversations after and I had a, one where somebody said, Oh, well, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, well, I just did it, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah. I do. I just been talking to you about business for the last night. We were sitting on the deck. And he was saying like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just talking about business. I'm like, oh, that's, what, that's, yeah. that's my life. Yeah. That's what I enjoy. Yeah. I love it. And when my kids and I are playing and stuff, we're talking about business. You know, my older kids, Yeah, we're doing the same thing, right? Yeah. We're talking about the work they're getting into. And for me, it's it's not about obsessing about work. It's about bringing, you know, there's fun out of it, right? Yeah. There's there's a joy in like doing those things. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's fun. I've, I've got, a, you know, a, a, my kids, I've got two children now that are, Okay. Uh, age 20 or older. Yeah. Know, okay. so, so same, same deal. And like, yep. I was talking to my daughter about confidence. She's a second year person, second year student at UC, uh, DAP nice. industrial okay. design, yep. super hard program to get into, sure. uh, super demanding second year. She's kind of like, uh, I love the first year. She loved the first year. Second year. She's like, I, I'm just like, not really feeling it. You know, uh, she's like, I want to be doing this stuff. She like she wants to do wood. Like, okay. She wants to do, but there's no, there's nothing in the program about woodworking or anything like that. It's mm -hmm. industrial design, you know. Okay. Modern. It's it's three D modeling. It's modern materials, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And I told her like, they're not in charge of you. You know, you're allowed <laughs> right. to do wood right now if you want <laughs> right. to. You know, like you're. You could even probably go to them and tell them. I don't want to do this stuff. I want to do wood right now. And they'll probably mm. be like, cool, do wood. Yeah. You know, you got to just have the confidence to go and have that conversation with this, yeah. this authority figure and have a clear plan and a clear reason. And maybe even a threat like, Hey, I'm dropping out unless I can do wood, you know? <laughs> right. And they might be like, cool, do wood, you know? But like, <clears throat> and I was, just, I was just having this conversation with her about confidence. And my wife was just like, you're, why are you saying she lacks confidence? I'm mm. like, I'm not, Everyone, everyone lacks, every student lacks confidence. True. Every human does, I think, yeah, in some context. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, 
like I'm not, this is not a slam on, on her in any way. It's just like, this is just the reality is like any employee has, you know, if they're going to go talk to the CEO about an idea of theirs, mm-hmm. um, it's natural to feel, <laughs> to lack confidence mm-hmm. in that conversation. And the people who get their thing blessed by a CEO had to came in with a confident plan, you know, mm-hmm. clear, confident. Yeah. Um, and so I just think like, I, I talk about confidence all the time with founders trying to do fundraising, you know, like the worst thing you can do is go to a, a VC and act, Unsure. have a lack of confidence. Yeah. You're dead. You're done. Like they're, they smell it. You, and it's kind of an, it's kind of like, okay, well I am, I do lack confidence. I'm like, I'm not saying like, pretend like you don't have confidence. I'm like, get confidence. Mm. You know, it's not about faking things. It's like, like, oh, why are you, interesting. why are you pitching an idea that you don't even have confidence in? Like, keep working on it. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's like, so I'm not telling her like to pretend I'm not telling any founders to pretend I'm saying like, like I'm, I've reached the point now where I, things I'm doing, I have confidence in and I just like make confident decisions when I make, when I'm making a decision, it's with confidence and Others out uh, from the outside looking in might think that there's something innate in you that does that, but you've gotten to that point because I'm speculating. You yeah. tell me if I'm wrong, yeah, but yeah. you've gotten to that point because preparation is what brings confidence in a situation. And you've had a career full of up situations, problems, challenges that you face that prepared you to be faced with a new scenario that you can confidently speak yeah, to or yeah, decide but, on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I always talked about like in my twenties, this is like before the internet, you know, early twenties, I read like a thousand books on business and it's like, mm. I, I, I wish I had a list. I wish I would have wrote them all down. Cause I, I mean, it was legit. Like seriously, I would, I would read a book a week, you know, okay. for a lot of times, uh, listen to a ton of audio books. And, um, it's like that stuff's in there and it's just like all mixed together. It's yeah. like, it's like an MBA, you know, yeah. maybe yeah. I, I dropped out of school after two years out of college. So it's probably uh, better than an MBA. Man. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have one. There were a couple of classes that were useful. Well, I read these there, books. The certificate's over there in a pile somewhere. Nobody yeah. gives a shit about it. <laughs> I, I read, the, yeah, I read the books, and then I tried to apply it to the small company that I had. You know, so that's yeah, that's like working from first principles around yeah. these things. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously a huge asset. Um, I didn't, but I didn't really act confident as much. Uh, I mean, there was some of it. it. It was it just grew over my career. But I'm saying like, there's not really a threshold that you have to get to to have confidence. You know. Yeah. Like you go to like some of these athletes, um, you know, Joe Burrow is mm-hmm. speaking of the Bengals. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. no, no, I mean, he oozes confidence and he's early twenties. So I'm right. like, like I told my daughter, like you could be there now if you want, if, if it's mm-hmm. like a choice, like it's a choice. I agree that knowledge matters, but like, it's, it's just interesting how, if you just choose to be confident about your idea and what you want to do, like it's, it's like, executable if it's mm-hmm. if it's fuzzy if, if, if it's like um yeah if it's just a little bit wobbly and and uh you just won't you won't go for it i think of like as you're talking about just choosing or whatever it makes me think about somebody who's pr- uh, planning an event or a party mm-hmm. uh, we had some family extended family or whatever there were three couples they were together after a dinner party. We were having some drinks and we were talking about, uh, oh, we should get the whole extended family, all 50, 60 of us out to a, a destination vacation. Oh, yeah. This was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so we're all drinking. So we've got fake confidence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. But we were excited about the idea enough to say, we're going. Yeah. You're either in or you're not. The yeah. three, our three families are going. Let's see if we can get everybody else to go. Yeah. And I think bringing it to the table like that, we've picked a day. All three of us booked. We hope you're available. If you're not, sorry, you're gonna. But you create that like commitment. Yeah. Like I'm confident enough that this is going to be great. That we're going to go regardless. Yeah. What we don't know is, is are there going to be 15 or 50 people? Right. Yeah. That's up to you. And I think. When you go to that CEO and you pitch or you go to that customer and you say, this is the, we're going to solve this problem. We're going to build this product. We're going to raise this money and do this, do this deal, or we're going to execute this project and change this process. This is how it's going to go. I know it's going to work this way. Are you in or not? Like, how would you, what would you do different? Can you help me or not? Yeah. And then it's like, I want to be part of that. Oh, so you're having a party. It's the difference between, I think what you just described is the difference between saying, I was thinking about maybe having a party. Would you be interested if I went or... Yeah. I'm having a party in three Saturdays. Yeah. You're invited. Yeah. Right. And then you have no guests lined up. No, right? I know. You I, say it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, and I, as I like, I, I've never had a, you know, a poker night at my house until yeah. a couple, a couple years ago. I was like, 
all right, I, I want to do it. Here's the day. Like, again, who, which of my friends would want to come? You know, I invited 24 people to get seven to show up, you know? And yeah, it, I, I do the same thing here. Yeah. We do a poker night. It's usually half, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was, a, you know, it was such an amazing time with the people that did show up. Mm-hmm. A lot of them didn't know each other, you know, because to get to 24, I had to, like, combine my yeah, you know, your network friend groups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they got to meet each other. You know, a lot of, a lot of pros to that. Wasn't that hard? Um, it's like the power of alcohol too. Like it's like liquid confidence, yeah. right? It's a lot of. I'm sure a lot of great decisions have been made, uh, or a lot of confident decisions have been made under the influence yeah. of alcohol. But uh, you can you can choose that too, yeah. right? Like sure. you don't have to be you don't have to be drunk indulged to chemically <laughs> yeah. or whatever in order to say like I, I can be more confident than I feel. I don't have to follow yeah. my feelings. I can have my feelings follow my my you know my conviction, right? Well, I think of. I, I don't know what you, where you are politically and I wouldn't ask that, but that's the power of Trump. I think in one way is like, you know, we, this is probably not normally a, po- a political con- uh, uh, <laughs> podcast here, but we don't get into a lot of that, no, but, yeah. no, I, but you're so, making a point. But, I, I but, follow you. Yeah. The dude is like confident, you know, again, might be wrong most of the time, yeah. but his confidence is, it's a big part of why he's had success. Yeah. There's yeah. something compelling about somebody who's very certain of themselves, yeah, yeah. whether they've got it or they don't. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when we were talking about salespeople, yeah, that that persona or whatever that's another one of those risks when you have somebody who's humble and respectful and and defers and respects yeah. others they also tend to sometimes hesitate and wait for affirmation yeah. in, in yeah. ways that yeah. somebody who else who would otherwise yeah. just be like i'm certain yeah I have this certain that's why i think like we need to have you know those assertive salespeople, but they need a manager that is not going to like i said amplify to the point mm. where it's unhealthy and that's a good yeah. control yeah that's yeah, that's like my that thought idea. that's my hope there but we'll see we'll see if she accepts the role you know yeah that's a great idea <laughs> um cuz it's definitely going to create stress you know uh, it's a stressful spot for someone to be in but again this is another young 20 something person i remember i was reminded by uh, during this conversation with her i'm like i would love to just give you j- whole, the whole gtm you know like mm-hmm. and um and see what happens, you know, it's mm-hmm. like an experiment. And, and, um, it reminded me of, I remember hearing a few years ago that, um, like Pepsi had replaced their chairman of the board with like a 27 year old person, you know, Interesting. Like, like that makes sense. You know, like can't really do too much damage from that seat, you know? True. Uh, right. I mean, you can do some damage, but like there's dolls around the room. Like, I just think it's great. Like give, I mean, again, like a, a soda brand is like a young person's thing mm-hmm. you know i think as we get older we all get smart enough to stop drinking liquid sugar you know? right <laughs> it's generally kids that are doing that so why not let a young person um be the the heart and soul of a mm-hmm. organization like that anyway i yeah i think it's um i think marketing has changed tremendously like i don't like i don't love using playbooks even from three or four years ago because i feel like you know I mean, the world of social media has changed tremendously. Twitter changed, you know, tremendously in the past year, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, the past few months. Right? Yeah, even it's the, al- yeah, and the algorithm is now exposed and, and now everyone realizes, like, it's not about getting likes and, and, and retweets, which is what we thought mm-hmm. you probably should go for, but it's it's about responses, you know, mm-hmm. like as, apparently as what gets your posts shared. The big shared. variable. Interesting. Yeah. Did yeah, you know I that? I that much attention yeah, to it. No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's why a lot of people are asking questions on Twitter now instead of, yeah, just like posting a, an opinion. Um, My editor and I, he's also kind of does our digital, our social media posting and stuff. We're just talking about that, like what to optimize for in the posts and stuff. And what we came to was just just make good content that people enjoy. And yeah, yeah. Let the algorithms figure themselves yeah, out, and that's hopefully how, they that's how I feel too. Like I'm not going to succumb to becoming a, a a person just posting variable know, bait, chaser, baity questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, to get 10 more clicks or 100 more clicks or whatever. yeah well i mean who knows but yeah i think it's um yeah i just think everything's changing um really rapidly and i want to get into tembo tell me about that what's the product do uh it's a database company so i, okay. I like to say like like you know what oracle does right sure and, and it, yeah mm-hmm. most people are like oh, i i think i do and mm-hmm. i'm like yeah well, every dev knows what it does yeah i mean mm-hmm. oracle's a, an old database it's it's been around for you know i don't know how many 30 years maybe mm-hmm. more decades yeah. postgres is an open source alternative to oracle that's also been around for 26 years okay you know? there's probably 5 million deployments of it um it's definitely more popular it has. It definitely doesn't have as much revenue as Oracle, but it's used as much as Oracle. Is it? Um, okay. It's just kind of invisible. Like, if you have a website, you know, that's hosted on 
WordPress or, you know, like, uh, you know, a, a site that hosts blogs or whatever, mm -hmm. um, most likely there's a Postgres database behind it. Okay. Or it could be MySQL. There's like okay. two old databases. Yeah, the open source. Yeah, open source, yeah. open source databases. Like all the cloud providers have commercialized them um, multiple times, you know. So uh, Postgres is this really old, mature, uh, well-used database um, that nobody really knows about. Um, and I think that there's an opportunity to build a publicly traded company around it you know mm -hmm. um there's a lot of small companies commercializing it um mm -hmm. i would say with uh limited capital or you know some of them are older and they didn't you know there's kind of this new generation of venture capital where these mega rounds can happen and mm -hmm. I, you know i truly believe like money is is like liquid uh power you know mm -hmm. like if you have a bank account with 300 million dollars you can do some stuff right mm -hmm. and astronomer my previous company had a bank account with 200 plus million dollars in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just was like, um, if we can do the same thing with Postgres, we could build a, a we can easily build a billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. I know again, talking about confidence, but like, I'm just like, it's easy to get to a billion. It might be harder to get to a $10 billion company. Mm -hmm. That's my attitude about this company. And it's until not, you get to a billion, right? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm just saying like, it's, it's like, I can see it getting to 10, you know, um, I definitely know. I mean, there's just, there's just like there's other companies that are commercialized open source software that isn't nearly as adopted, um, who have made it to a billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. So like we should clearly be able to do this, and um, it's just a matter of execution. You know. What do you see as the biggest obstacle? What are you concerned about over the next couple of years? Uh, the, I mean, we're like starting a race last, and there's a hundred competitors, literally. Like, I'm not saying like, like there's a lot, like, no, there's at least a hundred com companies commercializing Postgres that are already out of the gate and we're starting last in the race, you know? So we got to figure out how to get past, you know, um, every single one to get a sale, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's pretty scary and hard. I mean, you have to do that as a recruiter, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. there's thousands of recruiters and you got to win against them all. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, certainly possible to win, uh, through a personal relationship and all kinds of stuff, but That's right. you know, we're doing it as a tech product, you know, where personal mm -hmm. relationships don't, you know, so your product has to be really good. The execution has to be really good. Um, and, and if we get to the point where we can consistently get in the top five, mm -hmm. that could be like, we got no revenue, right? Mm. Getting into the top five doesn't get you anything in a sale, right? right? right. You need to be in the top two, three, or... top one. You yeah. know, in each sale, like you have to get to number one every time. Yeah, in you that win. in that buyer's mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Usually, there's going to be about you know ten uh, that are the biggest competitors. So I'm obviously focusing on them. But in order to do that, you got to figure out a way to dif differentiate, and I, we do have a good way to differentiate, in my opinion. So what is that? What's the big differentiator? Um, most people provide a what I call um, a safe version of Postgres. They've like chopped off all of the dangerous parts and, and they, they basically give customers in a managed part and a managed, mm -hmm. you remember I said it's very extensible. Okay. So they'll allow like 50 different popular extensions to be used on their managed service. We're gonna allow the top 200 um, out of the box and we're also gonna give you a way that you can um, bring your own extension um, Basically, we're just going to let you run a more dangerous version of Postgres. Yeah, interesting. But people are doing it. A lot of people self-host Postgres because their um, managed provider, all the managed providers don't support a few things that they want to do that's outside of the norm. So, so yeah, it's kind of a, I don't know what the, a good analogy, I need to come up with a great analogy for this, but it's like um, a lot of customers can fit into these safe use cases, but if there's 5 million companies using, you know, 5 million people using Postgres, if even, you know, 500,000 of them can't use it, that's a pretty big market. Yeah. Uh, so plus, just being able to broaden the ways in which they, the, the typical user can engage and use Postgres yeah. gives you the opportunity to pull in more users. Yeah. Right? And I think because we, we allow the widest use case, we should be able to get those, the weirdos on the edges. But I also think like the normal people in the middle will also people overlap right over them. Yeah. Wouldn't, right. wouldn't you prefer to work with a uh, flexible, you know, again, it's like, okay, you know, if you want to, I mean, some, I think of restaurants all the time. Um, uh, if, if there's just one menu item, you know, um, 
chicken nuggets, you know, like, mm-hmm. like they're not going to get too many customers. Right. Are you Cane's Chicken or are you Cheesecake yeah. Factory yeah. that has a mile long menu, right. right? Yeah. So we're more like Cheesecake Factory right now. Um, I don't know if that's the analogy you've been yeah, looking for. Yeah. Cheesecake <laughs> You could do better yeah. than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's the one I came up yeah, with on the fly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to, again, because everybody else is just selling chicken nuggets, you yeah. know, as a bunch of... That makes sense, though. That that, yeah. that that puts you in a good position to be able to grab a large share of that market. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, as the developers thinking about their current use cases, maybe those 50 extensions are sufficient. But if they're thinking yeah. about the known unknowns or the unknown yeah. unknowns, they might they want might, they might want the bigger library. Yeah. Right? And, the, and the thing that's happening now is the rise of AI means there's actually a new new use case for databases, which is. Um, you probably have heard of LLMs, large yeah, language. Yeah. So, right. so, um, in order to, to create an enterprise LLM, you have to do some data pr- preparation. So there's sort of like a, there's a new use case that just emerged literally in like the past year. Um, you could use a database to keep track of transactions. That's the traditional use case. Okay. You can use it to prepare, to do analytics. You know, you basically pull data from lots of sources, massage it and turn it into dashboards. That's, that's like data science or, or analytics. Um, and then, um, now there's this ML or, you know, machine learning AI use case that really, if you're building a product in 2023 or 2024, um, you pretty much have to provide the raw functionality. You usually have to provide some charts inside of a product for it to be, you know, usually like that, that's the stuff that's like, Oh, you know, if I have a sales, a tool to keep track of sales activity is like is 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 cool, but if you can you know show a chart of what's going on, like that's mm-hmm. like the sizzle. You know, the steak right. is the functionality. Sizzle is this visualization. The new sizzle, the you know sizzle plus plus is is like ML. You know, mm. like oh, and it'll it'll predict you know what your revenue will be next year based on gotcha. what's going on. You know, so. Like you can't really build a product now that doesn't have you can't raise money without that feature yeah. without an AI component. So mm-hmm. so the world of databases has just become even more complex. Um, we call it the modern data stack. There's like you know you there are a lot of products selling specialized databases for all these use cases. There's a lot more than what I just described. There's let's say ten or twenty use cases for databases, and there's Every, every of these categories has a dedicated company. And what we're trying to do with Postgres is say, you can use Postgres for all this stuff because of these extensions. And right now that's true, but it's really messy. Like most people just use Postgres for transactional. And our, our idea here is like, you can use Postgres to not have to buy all those vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's the big differentiator. Uh, it requires us to do the the Cheesecake Factory, you know, strategy if you want to cover all the different types of you know Uses. <laughs> people looking to eat you have yep. to have this big giant um menu and you have to do each item really really well that's yeah. the other thing i think they do really well so maybe i'm yeah. going to adopt that as a, as a standard because like when you go to cheesecake cheesecake factory and you order a steak and it's not a bad steak you know right. the cheesecake's the, as good as the burrito is as good <laughs> yeah, as the yeah. right right yeah yeah it's not like they're just doing everything kind of okay. they're all pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. It's an easy place to say, "Hey, let's go there," and you know, so you know, everyone's going to find Everybody's something. satisfied. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So. It's a large menu of of all pretty decent things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're doing that, um, and uh, it's very hard. And, and it's like we know we're kind of like because we're not doing the easy thing, we're doing the hard thing for our customer. It's going to be hard for us operationally, but I think that that's that's really the key to a business is to do something that's really hard. Uh, in for your customer instead of yeah. asking them to do it that way, you know. Tim Metzner and I got to talking about that with yeah. uh, Coterie actually, and that was kind of a hard thing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, highly regulated industry and all that. But the you know the beauty of that of building a castle like that is that your your, your moat comes with it. Yeah, right. That's um, right. And so if you can do it really really well, it's hard. It's also hard for somebody else just to flip it on and That's take right. you over, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I like I, all the problems we're having building this product. I almost celebrate them because I'm like, oh, these are <laughs> these are the road bumps. These are the moat, the moat, yeah. you know, layers of the moat. Uh, that's exactly how I feel when I'm doing a, a weird search. Their customers looking for the three eyed cat. Oh, they got to live in the middle of nowhere and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh, OK, so nobody's going to steal this from me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no way yeah, anybody's going to yeah. beat me to this. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be really, really difficult. And those get me excited because it, it's a little protection, right? Yeah. Same is true when you're building the hard thing. And and it, you know, it's, it's just pretty standard startup advice, you know, do the hard things, yeah. you know, like it's just, 
you do something easy, there's no moat, there's no protection, you're you're uh, subject to copycats, it's way easier, you know. True. Um, so, yeah. Well, before we close up, there's one last question I'd like to kind of end with is the, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, your challenge over the next couple of years being the volume of competitors mm-hmm. that are engaged in it. Yep. And then you did kind of allude to your differentiator, but how, what's your what's your plan to overcome that challenge as you kind of enter the go-to-market phase? Yeah, I mean, uh, like to me, it's to do. So, I, I want to do some things inside the Postgres community that others, even our even our um, competitors, are um, are not bold enough to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I want to basically act as if we're already the number one company. Um, mm-hmm. Again, this is that whole confidence con- yeah. con- conversation once again. Like, like for example, I mean, this, again, this is all pretty nerdy, but like, like the. Um, there are a lot of these open source projects are being put into software foundations. Um, mm. When when my company open sources some code and it's I still kind of control it. Okay. Um, I could take it away at any point in time. Mm. You know, I could and, and this happens late stage that company starts out open source, free for everyone to use. They start growing, they start missing the curve that I just described. Yeah. And one of the strategies is usually it's like a, a, a non-developer is at the helm mm-hmm. and, and they say like, well, why are we giving away the freaking core? You know, <laughs> stop that mm-hmm. to take it away, like close it. Right. We want to maximize revenue. What the hell? You know? And right. so, so they do that and all the developers revolt, you know, yeah, they decide to sell rent at the Starbucks table. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. We know everybody's there for the space. That's right. We're just going to sell yeah. the coffee. Oh, why are we giving away the space? That's the most valuable thing. You yeah. should pay rent for the table. So but. the developers revolt against your company. They actually, this just happened with a company called HashiCorp, where they they took away the license and said, you know, hey, there's too many companies competing against us with our own stuff, so we're going to change the license. And immediately the, the community said, okay, I mean, there's 126 companies and 600 people who signed a manifesto to take this product called Terraform and mm-hmm. turn it into an open and take it into a foundation. And basically mm-hmm. because it was open source, like anyone could Copy take it, it and secure it as open at, at that point. And so now you have Terraform and HashiCorp a publicly traded company who has got this proprietary version of a product in a sense, like they forked, they're the ones they're kind of, they look like the bad guys in a sense. Cause they basically, you know, so it's like, yeah. oh. But they did it because of revenue. I guarantee you, like someone yeah, front, if they'd have just left the the, the the dining room open or the if they would have just lobby open, what they should have done is what they should have done is do what the team, what the people who are signing this manifesto are doing, which is basically creating a foundation that would forever own this project instead of a company. So, mm. so anyway, there's all these projects in 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 Postgres are what I call captive open source, meaning some company or person controls the project, and I want to create a foundation. That all all these important like side side projects to Postgres could go to, and there'd be a hundred of them, and um, anyone you know they're basically community owned at that point mm. instead of owned by companies and individuals, and mm. uh, that'll just make that's a hard thing to do because like uh, you got to create consensus and a plan and like community organizing and all that, mm. and so I'm working on that right now. Um, Interesting, and, and I feel like if I do that, we're We'll be there, you know. I already got talked to some of the the top ten companies in the space, and they're they're kind of like in if everyone else is in, you yeah, know. Yeah, you got to create some cult energy. Yeah, right? yeah, and so, but if I can get that done, us and these other eight companies create this foundation. Like we're top ten now, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. That's a way mm-hmm. to vault into the top ten. Yeah. And now, now you only have to get past ten. Right. You know? so, <laughs> so step one is getting to the top ten, and, and that that's one strategy. There's some other strategies too, but you know, I think that. Um, big moves like that are big, hard moves like that, that are, uh, yeah, again, like, uh, challenging to do, um, especially as an introvert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you got this man. You're yeah. Smart. Yeah. I know. You yeah, got smart so, people around you. Yeah. I'm just calling them up, you know, talking to them. There's like five guys I got to convince that they, they think it's good, uh, in the core Postgres team, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then we should be able to pull should it off. Jump over that hurdle. Yeah, that's awesome. All yep. right, cool. We'll, we'll be here to support you and cheer you on. I know. And then when you hit a billion, you can come back on the show. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll talk yeah. To you again. Uh, yeah. Billion valuation, by the way. So, a billion dollar valuation in the tech startup world just means you've got someone to invest at that rate. People you know? believe it. That's right. Yeah. So it's not real. It's just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really something though. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get public for it to be real. So yeah. True. Yeah. True. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Appreciate you being on All the show. Right. Thanks. All right. Cool.